You're listening to the New Life Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For more info on service times and locations, you can find us at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, Pastor Mike talks to us about God's blessing and how it's found in faithful obedience and surrender to Him. made your New Year's resolutions yet? No. How many of you make resolutions? No. How many of you, you, you gave up because you couldn't keep them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I read, I don't know how true this is, but I read that most resolutions last like three weeks and then people just kind of stop. What are the biggest ones? Anybody know what's the biggest New Year's resolutions? Lose weight, <laughs> save money, stuff like that. Um, I, am, I, am, I am not ready for all of the cheesy hashtags on social media. Hashtag new year, new me. Um, you know, and all, all the things like at the end of the service today, I am not going to say see you next year, okay? I'm also not going to say see you next decade. But I, like, I'm fully prepared for all of those, those weird things that people are going to say. Social media, people posting the transformation stuff. Like, it's just, people get excited about it. Um, I don't make New Year's resolutions because I've, I've never successfully kept one. That's a long time, guys. A year? But then, are you supposed to stop after the year? I don't know. I don't know. I've never successfully done it. And the vast majority of them are abandoned in just a few weeks. Uh, we, we plan big, but there's really not a lot of follow through. At least, I'll speak in I statements. I plan big, but I don't do a good job following through with my resolutions. I'm sure if you guys make them, you're going to keep them, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, they're connected. Resolutions are connected to what we want, right? We pick things that will make us happy, things that will make us healthy, things that uh, will, will improve our finances, things, things like that. And it's not bad, right? Becoming a better person, uh, doing something good for yourself, putting yourself in a position for success, those are not bad things. But how many times, I wondered, I asked myself this question, how many times did I invite God into the process? Or how many times did I say, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? Like, is there, is there something specific that you want me to focus on? Or if I'm going to make a New Year's resolution, uh, resolution Lord, uh, instead of me making it at 11.50 uh, on New Year's Eve, God, what, let me take some time. God, what do you want to speak to me this year? What would you like me to do with the new year, with 2020? Bless you. Um, so what if we took a different approach to that, right? Uh, and so what I want to suggest is in, in 2020 that we make a decision to surrender to God, right? We all have this ideal plan for our lives. Uh, we have this idea of what things should look like and what we would like to accomplish. Um, and surrendering God doesn't mean we're abandoning those plans. It just means that we're living with a kingdom-first mindset, Right? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be provided. So if we're basing these things on God's kingdom and God's will for our life and what God has for us, then it's going to make the process hopefully a little bit easy for, easier for us. Right? So surrendering to God means that we're laying our plans at his feet and we surrender to his ultimate plan for our life. We're giving it to him and running it through God before we make the decisions. Our key thought this morning is God's blessing is found in our obedient surrender to him, right? It's not wrapped up in how much you pray, how much you give, how many church events you attend, 
Um, maybe it's wrapped up in the fact that you guys came to church the first Sunday after Christmas. That's a big deal. People don't come to church that day. Um, God blesses us when we resolve to surrender our plans, our hopes, our desires, and our lives. Right? And surrender doesn't always happen in an instant. People, people give their life to Jesus and they're like, they wake up the next day, oh, I still have problems. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't fix things right away. Right? But surrender sometimes happens through a lifetime. Um, I've mentioned this numerous times because it was like the favorite, my favorite thing I've heard in a long time, that um, obedience or discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction, right? And so it's, it happens, surrender gradually happens over a lifetime, and we surrender small things, and, and, and we see that God is faithful, and then it becomes larger and larger and larger and larger, and then we'll be able to trust him fully with anything. And that's what we're going to look at this morning from Genesis. Um, and what we'll see is that faith is a key component to surrender. You're not going to surrender to God if you don't have faith in him. Um, we have to have faith that God's way is better. We have to have faith that God will provide for us. And we develop that faith through a lifetime of giving ourselves over to the Lord. So let's look at Genesis 22. But first, let's pray. Jesus, help us this morning. Amen. Okay. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son. I'm in Genesis 22, if I didn't say that. Whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it there as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. That's a lot. There's a lot in there, too. Well, let's get into this. How does faith play a role in helping us surrender to the Lord? Well, number one, faith obeys. Right? We don't really see any questioning on Abraham's part. He gets up, he gets ready, and he leaves. He doesn't check his schedule. He doesn't make sure it fits into his plans for the days. He just obeys. Now, I don't know if there's anything in there, but I would like to think that if he was like arguing with God, there would be something in there, right? He just obeys. Um, we are getting to the point in our parenting where Charlotte knows how to say no, 
right? She has learned it very well. So we're like, Charlotte, put that down. And she looks at us, no. My girl, you better calm down. But she will just like, and it's like, she comes over here, right? Charlotte, don't touch the iPad. Look me straight in the face and grab it, right? She got mad at me the other day. She picked up my phone, and I said, Charlotte, give me my phone, please. And she said, no. And she got on the ground and threw it underneath the couch. She doesn't know how to obey. She's, she's at home sick. I wish she was here listening to my sermon today so she could learn how to obey. But Abraham just obeys. He just does it. Right? God doesn't give Abraham this supernatural ability to, to obey him when he gives this command. Right? He's able to be obedient to God's command because he's had decades, literally decades, of responding to God in faith and seeing God's faithfulness. And if you look at the beginning of the story and, and when Abraham first enters the Bible in Genesis 12, it doesn't always work that way. God tells him to do things and he doesn't. There's a few times where Abraham tries to take matters into his own hands and it fails. But he always responds to God. God corrects him and then Abraham responds in faith by obeying. He sees God's provision and he sees that God's way of doing it is better than his. So he listens. He obeys even when it doesn't make sense. Right? And the request seems to contradict what he knows to be true about God. We'll get into this in a second, but it doesn't make any sense that God would tell Abraham to sacrifice his son. It makes absolutely no sense if you just look at it on paper. Right? But the only reason that he can have this level of faith and obedience is because he's witnessed a lifetime of God's faithfulness in his life. I know for me, I give up, just like we talk about New Year's resolutions, while I'm praying for something, there have been times early on in my days walking with the Lord that I give up way too early. And I didn't see God's faithfulness because I didn't wait on him, because I didn't obey, because I didn't listen, because I didn't trust and have faith that his way was better than mine. So where is God asking for your obedience? Where is God asking you to just relax and trust him that he knows better than you, that he has everything under control, right? Obedience in the small things opens the door to God's blessing on our life, and it helps to increase your faith for the future. We see God move in small ways, and it kind of just snowballs, and it gets to the point where it doesn't matter what it is, we will trust him, and that's how Abraham got to this point. And he tells him, he doesn't say, like, get up the next morning and, and go sacrifice your son. He says, go to Moriah. Go to the mountain, the place I'm going to show you. And it's a, it's a three-day it's, it's three journey. It's a three-day walk to get there, right? And so I, I think that God was trying to stop Abraham from making a knee-jerk reaction. If you think about resolutions, right? Uh, like, I've done the, oh, it's 11.55. What am I going to do this year? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Wear more pants. Like, whatever. Uh, we just come up with something off the top of our head. And we don't really think. And so I think that God is trying to stop Abraham from making a knee-jerk reaction here. Right? So the fact that they had three, a three-day travel means that Abraham had three days to think about it, three days to decide if he was actually going to go through with it, three days to ponder and, and, and really think, am I willing to sacrifice my son? Right? Am I willing to, to be obedient with God, to be obedient to God in this? And we're all going to face this crossroads of faith at some point in our journey with the Lord. And the proper thing for us to do 
is not make knee-jerk reactions, to pray, to seek wise counsel, to find what God says, to, to find if we have mentors, people that we trust, people that we love, to go to them and say, what do you think I should do? Will you pray with me on this? You know, if you're part of a life group, bring it to your life group. Will you guys, will you guys pray with me for the next week, two weeks, whatever, and really seek the heart of God before you make a decision? God doesn't just want blind obedience, right? He wants an obedience that is cultivated by a faith that trusts him completely. So faith obeys. And faith is confident in God's promise. Three days of walking, three days of anguish, three days of questioning, three days of deciding, and Abraham has made the decision that he's going to go through with this, right? But he's also, three days of thinking about this has led Abraham to the conclusion that regardless of what he does, Isaac has to live. There is no situation where God can fulfill the promise, the covenant that he made with Abraham without Isaac. It cannot happen. And so Abraham's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Right, the first time Abraham ever spoke with God, God made some promise. He said he's going to make him into a great nation. He later said that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the shore or the stars in the sky. And Abraham and Sarah had to go on faith because they didn't have any kids. Right, but this is all connected to Isaac. Without Isaac, none of this happens. And so Abraham's thought process is that God made a promise None of it's possible without Isaac. So even if Isaac dies, God has to bring him back to life because he has to live because God is not a liar, because God is true to his word. And he's confident in God's promise because he's seen it time and time again. This is what it says in Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This is a level of faith that is like beyond what I can imagine. Like he's getting ready to sacrifice his son, to kill his son, having complete and total confidence that God was going to raise him from the dead because God made a promise. What if, like, what are the promises that the Lord has made to you? All of us have them. We've got to, right? All of us have got something. What did God promise to you? What have you allowed to lie dormant for years because of situations and circumstances and other things have come up and things have gotten in the way, right? What if instead of making a, a New Year's resolution, you, you went to the Lord and went back to those promises that he's made to you? And prayed for those and believed that they were going to happen and had faith and, and just took the time to say, Lord, I want this. We're going to have 21 days of fasting and praying as a church starting next Sunday. It's a great time to revisit those promises that the Lord has made and spend the time seeking out God and, and, and building that life of surrender and faith and confidence in him. It's only possible for Abraham because he remembered the promise and he was confident in the God who made the promise. Right? There are some promises that we all have that God has given to all of us. Salvation for those of us who believe in Jesus. Comfort in our trials, a new life in Christ, every spiritual blessing in Christ, provision. God will supply our needs according to his glorious riches. Right? These are all things that God has promised to all of us that are believers. 
But specifically, what has God promised you? Spend some time thinking that, remembering it. I don't know, maybe you're a person that journals. Go back and read. What has God spoken to you throughout your life? What do you need to revisit and pray for and hope for and believe for? And maybe you're like, well, Pastor Mike, I I don't have any of those promises that God has spoken to me. Well, have you drawn close enough to God to be able to discern, discern his voice? Right? Abraham was in this position because when God called him, Abraham drew close. And he, the, the relationship started with Abraham coming close and spending time with the Lord. Sometimes it's hard for us to have faith because we haven't gotten close enough to God or we're listening to way too many outside voices. Right? Like we said, good seeking wise counsel is good, but go to the Lord first. Right? You remember the book of Job when Job went to his godly friends and they were all like telling him all this bad stuff? Right? Go to the Lord first and then go to people and see what they say. And they should be able to confirm what the Lord has already spoken to us. But you've got to have the confidence. You've got to get close enough. You need to have confidence in God's promise. You need to spend time with him and let him speak those promises over our lives. So faith obeys Faith is confident in God's promise, and faith waits. Uh, we went to, does anybody, everybody ever been to uh, Julian, California? Yeah, all right, a few of you. Did you get pie when you were there? Oh my gosh, you guys. Pie was $17 for a pie. I bought two of them. <laughs> Boysenberry apple and peach apple. It was so good. I ate pie for breakfast yesterday. It was delicious, right? But to get there, the day after Christmas, when it was snowing, it took us 47 minutes to go one mile. I was so mad. And then we get into the town, can't find a place to park, Finally find some place that might look like it's okay. Right across the street from the pie shop, there's a line around the block to get inside. So we had to drive through to the end of the town, which is only like a mile, turn around to come back to try to find something else because there's giant piles of snow I can't drive through. I had to wait in line for another 20 minutes to get back into town to find no parking. So we had to drive back down the mountain. It took us 30 seconds instead of an hour, uh, and find this little shop to play in snow and get a pie. But I hate, I hate waiting. I've never successfully waited to give my wife any present for any gift-giving possibility. I gave her her Christmas present like three weeks early. <laughs> I, I just, I can't wait. I hate waiting. Last time I had an MRI, I scheduled it at 11 p.m. because I didn't want to wait. When it comes to our faith, when it comes to our walk with God, sometimes the waiting is good, right? Sometimes uh, it's, in, it's in the waiting that God is preparing his provision for you, and he's preparing you to, to receive that provision from him, right? But it's not like waiting when it comes to, to the Lord. It's not like waiting that, like you would wait in a doctor's office just pulling out your phone and playing Candy Crush, right? It's it's waiting with a purpose, right? Think of a woman when she's pregnant, right? She doesn't just sit back for nine months and wait for a baby, 
right? There is a process. I remember my wife, like, I remember the whole nesting thing that happened. I was like, oh my goodness, why are you you're like nine months pregnant? And I came home and like the whole house is rearranged. What's wrong with you? Um, but there's a lot to do. There's appointments to go. There's things to prepare for. It's, it's waiting, but it's waiting with a purpose. When Abraham said that God would provide a lamb for the offering, when he told this to Isaac, uh, he wasn't lying. He was fully confident that God would provide a substitute. And the th- part of the three-day journey, part of the walk up the mountain, Abraham is waiting for God. He's having faith and waiting for that provision to come. He said, it's coming. Don't worry. It's coming. Don't worry. It's coming. Don't worry. Right? And it was to the point where he's got Isaac on the altar, like ready to stab him with a knife. And then God came through. I wonder if he like just went and waited for a second. I don't know. No, that's not, that's not what happened. He still followed God in obedience. Man, I just, I read the scripture. I'm like, I can't imagine how much faith this guy has. He believed that God would move, but he was ready for it as well. He was ready for God to move. He was prepared, right? Abraham brought the wood, he brought the knife, and he brought the fire. He was prepared to sacrifice his son, but he fully believed that God was going to be true to his word and provide a substitute. And he was ready to receive that substitute. If you find yourself in a place of waiting, you're not fully sure of what God has for you or where he's leading you, you have a job. And that job is to prepare to receive the Lord's provision for your life. I love the fact that the scripture says Abraham carried the fire. He was fully ready to ignite Right? He's worshiping God in this moment. This is what the sacrifice is for. He's, he's worshiping the Lord, but he's fully ready. Like, he's carrying fire. He's got wood. Like, he's ready. When he gets there, he's good to go. He doesn't have to wait for anybody else. He, he has everything he needs. Right? But I remember coming to church and expecting that everybody else is going to do the work for me. Right? Wanting to make sure you're... My favorite worship leader is on stage. I did this when I was younger. I'm like, oh, it's this guy again. <sighs> he sings everything bad. I can't, I can't stand it. Coffee's not hot. How am I supposed to worship if they don't have hot coffee for me? <laughs> Plus, church coffee, just church coffee tastes weird. Let's be, let's be honest about it. I don't know what it is. We know how to make coffee. I, I mean, I don't, sometimes you just expect church coffee isn't going to be the greatest. I mean, I actually had a cup this morning. I thought it was pretty good. But we want everything to be perfect, right? Oh, man, if I don't get a parking spot in this new lot and I have to park in the Samoan lot, I'm just going to Calvary. Or if I don't, I'm going to walk over here, but I'm going to be angry the whole time. And if I can't get the donut that I want on the stand right off the top, the day is ruined. Oh my gosh, I came into church, somebody's sitting in my normal seat. The worship team didn't play Oceans. Like, whatever it is. Like, we, we often come with this consumer mindset that everybody needs to build the altar for us and do everything for us and, and spoon feed us in order for us to be comfortable enough to worship God. Pastor Mike better not use his daughter in a sermon again. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not stopping anytime soon. 
But we're waiting for the perfect scenario for us to be able to engage with God. And if everyone doesn't meet our unspoken demands, we just sit around and do nothing. Like, I've been there, and it's, it's sad. But we're waiting for somebody else to provide the fire for us. We're waiting for the perfect atmosphere and situation to pave the way for us to worship God. Lord, you need to open up the heavens and let me see your glory. What if we came expecting? Like, what if we came here expecting, right? Abraham carried the fire. He was ready to go. What if you walked, you woke up on Sunday morning, and you were expecting God to do something in your life, and you were preparing yourself to be in God's presence, to hear from him, to meet with him, to get your needs met, to worship him, to give him all of yourself, to surrender, and to let him just love you? What if you came ready Now, what if you did that every day of the week? What if you woke up excited and ready to do what God was asking you to do that day? Man, imagine how our lives would change. I need to do that. I get it. There's some days that just, some days you just, that just suck. Some days where there's deadlines and things you have to do and you're not looking forward to it, but what if we woke up that day and started it with surrender and gave it to the Lord and said, God, I'm going to choose to walk with you today to receive your grace, to expect you to speak to me, to give me the patience and the peace that I need to make it through this day. What if we use the time of waiting to get ready to receive God's provision in our lives? Because I have, I have understood that for me, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but for me, God would usually wait until the very last possible minute to intervene and do something. It was always God's plan to provide a substitute for Isaac, but he still needed Abraham to respond in obedience to his command. Abraham was following in obedience, but yet he was fully prepared to receive God's provision. Let me get you guys out of here early today. Worship team, you guys can come up here. Can you click that next slide, Jason? So the last one is faith surrenders. The fact that Isaac, the fact that Isaac went along with this is nuts even. You know, Abraham's like 130 years old or something at this point. Isaac is less than 30. But he lets his geriatric dad tie him up and put him on a pile of wood and get ready to stab him. He probably didn't tie a, a tight knot. But once I, like Isaac knew, he, he wasn't dumb. At some point he figured it out, right? And I would have been like, yo, dad, this isn't cool. Like just push him over and just leave. Nobody's going to question him. He's old. But the fact that Isaac goes along with it is crazy. He has the faith too. But it's not just that Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Like He was surrendering absolutely everything in his life and in his future to God. Everything that Abraham had made everything that God had given him, everything that he had done for 130 years, everything that was going to happen in his future, he surrendered it all. He gave all of it to God in that moment. He put it all on the altar and he was willing to give it all up. 
He placed the covenant, the promises, the future. Right? This is a test to see if Abraham's trust is in God or in God's blessing, in what God has promised. Right? Are you seeking God or are you just seeking God's blessings? Because Abraham had built altars before and Abraham had sacrificed to God before. But every time he had done it in the past, it was always connected to a blessing that he had received from the Lord. The Lord blessed him in some way, so he built an altar and sacrificed to the Lord. Now God is saying, there's nothing connected to this. As a matter of fact, you have to give everything up. Are you still going to do it? Are you willing to surrender everything to me? We all have plans. We all have things we want for our future. Right? Many of you have kids. Some of you younger, kids, younger people, you're in, you're in college, you have jobs, you have things that you want to do. Right? And the question for us this morning is, would you be willing to give all of it up if God asked you to? Would you give it all to him? Because now God's saying, there's no blessing here, Abraham. I'm asking you to sacrifice the blessing itself, to give up the very thing that I promised you. Are you willing to do that? But here's the amazing thing. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. He was asking Abraham to surrender his will completely to God by giving him what was most important. He's saying, Abraham, give me what's most important to you. Right? Because it's easy for us to surrender to God in the areas that we don't care about. Right? But oftentimes we hold those things close to us that we, we think God doesn't see or we don't want God to have a part to play in our life. God, you can have everything else, but I want to do this job. Even though I feel like you're telling me not to, this is what I want, so leave me alone in this area. But he's saying, give me what's important, what's most important. Are you willing to do that? But then, man, then God shows up and he takes care of it. I wonder how many times we're so worried that we're going to lose something that is so important to us, but in the end, God blesses us through it anyway. It takes faith, right? We live by faith, not by sight. We can only see part of it. God sees everything, and he's saying, trust me. Jesus uses the scripture in the gospels, and he's like, you know, you who are wicked fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more is it God going to bless you and give things to you if you ask him? God's blessing, next, the key thought, God's blessing is found in our obedience and surrender to him, right? Abraham responded in faith, a faith that obeyed God's command even when it didn't make sense, a faith that was confident in God's promises, a faith that waited on God's provision, and a faith that surrendered what was most important. So here's a million dollar question. Would you give God a chance if there was nothing in it for you? No promise of eternity, no blessing for tomorrow. Would you give God your life if he gave nothing back but himself? I think the goal for all of us should be able to respond to that with a yes. 
when everything is stripped away, when we feel lost, when we feel empty, when we feel hopeless, God is there. Look, I've had moments in my life where I've been completely abandoned, where I've been alone, where I've been without anybody else, but God was always there. If you look back at your life, even before you started following Jesus, I guarantee you, you will find God's fingerprints all over your life. You will find moments where something happened and some kind of intervention took place that didn't make any sense because it was God. Come on, he loved you before you loved him. He was for you before you had any notion of who God was. He was on your side. He's saying, look, I've been blessing you before you even cared to know who I was. He's saying, am I enough? Am I enough? This is what Abraham did. This is how he responded. Right? He built an altar of sacrifice. And I feel like God is asking no less of us today. He wants all of us. He wants all of you. He wants the, the dark secret places. He wants the places that you don't want him to touch. He wants your hopes and your dreams, but your fears and your guilt and your shame. He wants all of it. He's saying, bring all of it to me. Give it all to me and watch what I can do with it. So my hope for us, my prayer for us in the next year uh, is that you would we, would, we as a church would learn what it looks like to surrender to the Lord, to trust in him completely, right? That our faith would be tested. That testing is good, right? God's testing is good. It helps align us with his, with his uh, promises, with his purposes for us. God's testing is a compliment. It's a privilege, right? I don't think God would give us a test if he wasn't confident that we would pass it. What kind of tests can we expect, right? We can look at this passage and think God is going to ask us to give up a family member or something precious and priceless to us. And that's, 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 not, that's not what I'm saying, right? A test similar to Abraham's isn't concerned with whether we love our family more than we love God. A test like this is seeking to discover the motivating factor in our relationship with God. Is it God himself or is it the benefits he provides and the hope that he offers? I don't know about you, but there are times where I've walked with God, long periods of time, where I've walked with the Lord and I haven't felt hopeful. I've had times that just felt dry and God, where are you? But I know that he has come through in the past. I know that he is the same yesterday, today and forever. And I know that he is going to come through in my future. For Abraham, his benefits and his hope were tied up in the covenant, and therefore they're tied up in Isaac. What is it for you? How can you live a life of surrender this coming year? Remember, Abraham came to the point of responding to God in this situation after a lifetime of following him. So maybe for some of you, it's making the decision to really start following God. Maybe for others of you, it's revisiting those promises that God has made. For those of you who you find it hard to have faith in these moments, go back and, and, and remember the times when God was with you. That's how, I, that's how David defeated Goliath. He remembered how God had provided for him in the past, and he was able to do it in the, in the present.
plans. Make your resolutions. Be a better person. Do fantastic things. But involve God in the process. Seek the kingdom first. Start with surrendering yourself to God. When you, and if you have those plans, bring them to the Lord and say, God, is this what you want me to do? Here, let's do this. Don't make a resolution. Don't make a, don't make a New Year's resolution on, on the 1st of January. Right? Starting the, the 5th of January, we're going to, I think it's starting the 5th. We're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it should last up until January 26th. Take those times, right? When we fast, it doesn't mean that we're just not going to eat. You give up something. Pastor Ken will explain it next week. But you're, you're giving something up so that you can spend time with the Lord, so that you can seek God, deny yourself, and seek the Lord, right? So take the 21 days of fasting and praying and say, God, what do you want me to accomplish in 2020? What do you want me to do this year? What are the plans and the purposes that you have for my life? God, I'm willing to surrender to you, to give it to you, to lay it all at your hands because I can't do it on my own. God, I've tried and I've failed. So here it is, Lord, all of me. Help me. And then after that 21 days, see what the Lord does. Yeah. Yeah. 